0: John 13, we're going to look at verse 36 through 38 before then jumping to John 18, which is our main text, and then finally to John 21. This is God's word. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Now, fast forward to John 18, picking at verse 15. John 18, verse 15 through 27. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I have said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I have said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked him, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once, a rooster crowed. Fast forward to John 21. Picking up at verse 15, John 21, verses 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is God's word. Let's go to him in prayer. O oh Lord our God, when we are faithless, you remain faithful, for you cannot deny yourself. I pray, Lord, that you would awaken us with these very sobering words from the life of a very dedicated disciple, Peter, Lord, would you remind us of our own sin, but not only that, Lord, would you encourage us with the hope of glory and forgiveness and restoration. Hear our prayer. We pray it in the name of Jesus, the judge who was judged, so that we might be declared innocent in your sight. In his name we pray. Amen. When my dad was growing up, he attended a small German Reformed church in the tiny farming town of Newton, Wisconsin, outside of the bustling metropolis of Manitowoc, Wisconsin, a town that is famous for submarines, ice machines, and the Netflix series, Making a Murderer. (laughs) Guess which one of those things they are not happy about. I remember many things about that church growing up. We visited there almost every summer. I remember running through the cemetery across the street looking for the graves of my ancestors. Trikes and Brookshens and Gakies and Rodewaltz and Seamers. I remember the words that were printed on the wall behind the pulpit, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. The last time I saw those words was the day that I preached the sermon at my grandfather's funeral service. I miss him. I remember sitting on those rock-hard pews, which were seemingly constructed so that people like me would not fall asleep. I believe they might have been made of petrified wood. I remember hearing my grandmother sing, always enthusiastic and slightly off-key. I remember the cold, slightly discolored linoleum floors in the fellowship hall and the cold, slightly discolored green beans that were served in that fellowship (laughs) hall by the faithful, formidable women of the Ladies' Aid Society. But the thing that I remember most about that church, the thing that strikes me most looking back on it, is the rooster that sat on top of the steeple. That rooster represented Peter's greatest failure. It re- represents the eternal biblical truth that pride comes before a fall. Though those words were first written by King Solomon in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18, they perfectly encapsulated the worldview of the German reformed farmers who established that church in 1855. To quote Eugene Peterson's colorful translation of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easy as anyone. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. As an adult, I've come to appreciate that rooster more and more. Yes, it's a symbol of Peter's failure, but it's also a powerful symbol of God's grace. It's a symbol of healing and hope. It's a symbol of forgiveness. It's a symbol of restoration. It represents new starts, new beginnings. It's a reminder that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Sinners like Peter, sinners like you, and sinners like me. It's a reminder that the love of God is high and wide and deep and long. It's a reminder that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, which is the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. But there's a sense in which the rooster tells us who we are and what we're capable of doing. Absolutely but there's another sense, perhaps a greater sense, in which the rooster tells us who God is and what God is capable of doing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul reminds us we have this gospel treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now, this morning, as you probably noticed, we're going to do something a little bit different. Normally, we camp out in one particular text of the scripture, working through it verse by verse and line by line, but today we're going to back up a little bit so we can see the bigger picture of Peter and his relationship with Jesus. I want us to see the beginning, the middle, and the end of this story. I want to do that because I think that this story, Peter's story, is a slightly more dramatic version of our own stories there's a sense in which Peter's story is our own story writ large now if you're a Christian and I am all of us make uh, profound declarations of our allegiance to God we say with Peter in John 13 verse 37 Lord I will lay down my life for you only to deny the Lord Jesus When our profession of faith and commitment to him might actually cost us something. John 18 verse 17, the servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. The question is, is there hope for people like Peter? And secondarily, is there hope for people like us? If you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. As we walk through the story of Jesus and Peter, I want us to take note of four things. First, we'll see Peter the good. Then we'll see Peter the bad. Then we'll see Peter the ugly. Before concluding with Jesus the beautiful. So Peter, the good, bad, and the ugly... And Jesus the beautiful. This is the story of Peter. It's a story of Jesus. It's a story about a rooster. It's also the story of the gospel. Are you ready? All right, let's take a closer look. We begin with Peter the good. The story of Peter's denial of Jesus actually begins all the way back in John 13 with a prediction. John 13, Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow Until you have denied me three times. Now, to understand just how jarring that prediction is, you have to remember that Peter, in spite of his sometimes bombastic personality, was actually one of the giants of the Christian church. Whenever the apostles are listed in the Bible, Peter, Simon Peter, is listed first. Peter walked on water. Peter raised a woman from the dead. When the crowds had abandoned Jesus back in John chapter 6, and Jesus asked the apostles, Are you going to leave too? It was Peter who spoke up for the group and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter was there for the transfiguration when Jesus revealed his glory to Peter, James, and John. He heard God the Father say, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached a very famous sermon, the sermon at Pentecost, and 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ in just one day. Peter, along with John, arrived at the empty tomb when Jesus rose from the dead before anyone else. And here, in this story, he was one of only two apostles who followed Jesus after he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. John 18, verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Our best guess is the other unnamed disciple, Was the Apostle John. Now, in this story, it seems abundantly clear that Peter loved Jesus. He wasn't crossing his fingers when he said, I will lay down my life for you. He meant it. In fact, many years after this story, Peter did in fact lay down his life for Jesus. Like Jesus, he was crucified by the Romans. Unlike Jesus, he was crucified upside down. He chose to be crucified in that way because he did not feel himself worthy to die an identical death to his Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. My friends, that's a good thing. It is a good thing to love Jesus. It is a good thing to profess your allegiance to Jesus. It's a good thing to say, Lord Jesus, even if all the other apostles stay home, even if it's just me and John, even if it's me alone, I will follow you every step of the way. If when I die, my tombstone reads, He loved Jesus, that's a win. If, when you die, people come to your funeral and say, She loved Jesus, then you have lived a more fulfilling, meaningful life than many people will ever live. Peter loved Jesus. That's the good. He also was a man of action. When Jesus was betrayed and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, all the other disciples stood there paralyzed by fear. And it was Peter and Peter alone who drew his sword and said, Let's go, Jesus. We're shooting our way out of here. Right? Not Peter, Peter was a unique person in that way. We need action-oriented men and women like Peter in the church. Action-oriented people, people like Peter, get things done. When the hurricane comes, most of us call a meeting. The Peters are already in the truck with a cup of coffee in one hand and a chainsaw in the other, and they're driving down the road because they are action-oriented people. Yes, Peter's philosophy was often ready, fire, aim. That can be problematic. But many of us, and I will include myself in this, spend so much time aiming, trying to get it just right and so perfect that we seldom, rarely if ever, fire at all. When we need people to be volunteers, it's people like Peter who step up and raise their hands. And yeah, he can be a lot. (laughs) And so if you're like Peter, maybe you need to dial it down a little bit, take it down a couple of notches, okay. But don't miss the good. The first commandment is love God. And Peter clearly loved God. No question. The second commandment is love people. And Peter clearly loved people. That's the good. Peter loved God, and he loved people. I will lay down my life for you. Here's the bad. John tells us that Peter followed Jesus, but he leaves out an important detail. According to Matthew's account, Peter followed Jesus at a distance. How many of us follow Jesus at a distance? How many of us have one foot in the church and one foot in the world? How many of us are lukewarm Christians, not too hot, not too cold? Sure, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those, uh, you know, wacky kind of born-again Christians. I'm not one of those Bible-thumping, uh, NASCAR-loving, Chick-fil-A-eating Christians. I- I'm moderate. I'm uh, temperamental. I'm balanced. I'm balanced. Is it possible that you're following Jesus at a distance because you don't want to give him control of your life? Is it possible that you're following Jesus at a distance because you're not too sure what he would say if you get close, and so you're afraid of getting too close to him? Now, here's another troubling detail, very subtle but significant. John 18, verse 18. Now, the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. I can relate. And they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Now, I get it. It's cold. It was cold then. It is not wrong to stand next to random strangers at a campfire. We are not Amish. We don't need to build a special Christian campfire that's different from all the other Christian campfires or non-Christian campfires. But remember that Peter has already denied Jesus. In verse 17, one verse before this, we read, The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one one of his disciples, are you? He said, I am not. And now, here he is, standing next to that same servant girl and all of her friends with his mouth shut, not saying a word. He's, it's as if nothing has happened. He's going with the flow. He's part of the crowd. What's more important to you? Acceptance from God or acceptance from the world? Having your friends always say good things about you, or having God always say good things about you. Now, what happened? How did Peter go from, I will die for you, to, I don't know you? Well, I think at least two things happened, two things that can happen to us. First, I think that he underestimated the devil. And second, I think he overestimated himself. We'll take those in reverse order. The fact that Peter overestimated himself is almost axiomatic. If you know the story of Peter, you'll see that he was constantly overestimating himself. He was a very brash person, full of a lot of uh, chutzpah, if you will. Uh, he, Jesus said to him, Hey, you're going to deny me three times? He said, Not me? I'll never deny you. Yeah, all these other guys, I think they're probably a little bit shaky, but look at me. I'm Peter. I'm the rock. I will never deny you, Lord Jesus. Humility was not Peter's spiritual gift. Now, here's the problem. The Bible says pride goes before a fall. The Bible says, let him who stands take heed lest he fall. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, if you're a confident person, great. Confidence can be a good thing. We can be bold, we can be courageous, all good. But beware of overconfidence. The minute that you say, I would never do that, you're moments away from doing the very thing that you just promised that you would never do. Peter overestimated himself, but He also underestimated the devil. He forgot that he was about to enter into spiritual warfare. That is, he was wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers of darkness. Here's where Luke gives us an important detail. In Luke 22, before predicting that Peter would deny him three times, Jesus said this, Simon, Simon, that's Peter's Jewish name, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. In other words, Satan is coming for you, Peter. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Peter wasn't. And so he denied Jesus three times. As God's people, we have to remember that Satan is real and Satan is our enemy and that Satan is out to get us. It's not just Peter. You'll note that all of the yous in Luke 12, 31 are plural. Behold, Satan demanded to have you, plural, so that he might sift you, plural, like wheat. So it's not just Peter, it's all of us. We all have to remember that Satan is a a real supernatural being. He's, He's not a metaphor. He's not a symbol for evil. He's Lucifer, the fallen angel from Isaiah 14, who waged war against God and was thrown down to the earth. He's the serpent from Genesis 2 and 3 who successfully tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He's the destroyer from the book of Job who nearly destroyed Job's entire life. He destroyed his family. He almost destroyed his faith. He's the accuser of From Zechariah chapter 3, who levels accusations against God's people, heaping shame and condemnation upon people who belong to Jesus. People whose sins have already been forgiven. People whose sins were nailed to the cross with Christ. He's the roaring lion from 1 Peter 5 who wants to devour us. He is the dragon from Revelation chapter 12 who tried to destroy Jesus first in the manger and then on on the wilderness and finally on the cross. Satan hates Jesus, and so if you love Jesus, Satan hates you too. And frankly, even if you don't love Jesus, Satan hates you and wants to destroy your life. He wants you to, to join him in hell because misery loves company. He'll use accusations he'll use condemnations he'll pervert your conscience he will lie he will cheat he will steal he is the killer he'll kill now he's not omniscient he doesn't know everything he's not omnipotent he's not all powerful remember that satan is not the creator he's a created being like all the other angels and demons like all of us and all of nature and all of the animals Jesus defeated him on the cross, but remember, defeated fighters still land punches. Don't underestimate him because if you do, you won't pray. Luke 22:31 Simon, Simon, behold Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you so that your faith may not fail. Jesus was praying for Peter, but Peter didn't pray. And because he didn't pray, he wasn't prepared. The questions came, and he wasn't prepared to make a defense. How fitting is it that 30 years after hearing that rooster crow, Peter would write this. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. True confession. Sometimes I read that verse and I think to myself, I don't think maybe two or three people in my whole life have ever asked me to give a reason for the hope that is within me. It's usually me making the first move to ask them, to talk to them about the Lord Jesus. What is Peter even talking about? Why would he write this? Because three random people did ask him questions about Jesus, and he wasn't prepared. He overestimated himself. He underestimated the devil. He didn't pray, and he wasn't prepared. That's the bad. It gets worse. Here's Peter The ugly. Now, sadly, we all know how the middle part of this story ends. A servant girl, probably a teenager, the word servant could also mean slave. So, this is somebody who has absolutely no standing in society, no power, no influence. The last person on earth that Peter should have been afraid of asks him this You are not, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? Peter said, I am not. Two more questions, same answer. I am not. Verse 27, Peter again denied it for a third time, and the rooster crowed. Just Before we move on, just what, what a tragedy this is. Peter was the rock, and he, he's reduced to a sandcastle. He's he's a pile of rubble. Peter the rock becomes like a, a little tiny pebble that you would catch in your shoe. That's how greatly this formerly great man has been diminished because of his lack of faith. Here's the question. Is this the end for Peter? Now, we all deny Jesus all the time in many very subtle ways, sometimes in big, bold, obvious ways. Is this the end for us? Well, thankfully, the answer is no. (laughs) In fact, for Peter, this was just the beginning. We'll close with this. Jesus the beautiful. In John 18, before Jesus died on the cross, Peter denied Jesus three times, and then in John 21, when Peter and Jesus meet again after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus affirmed Peter How many times? Three times. Three times Peter said, I don't know you. And three times Jesus asked, do you love me? Three times Peter answered, you know that I love you. And three times Jesus said, feed my sheep. Do you hear what he's doing? First, he forgave Peter and then he restored Peter. He said, not only are you forgiven in my sight, you are now a minister again. The good news of the gospel is the good news of both forgiveness and restoration. If you believe in Jesus, there is always hope. If you believe in Jesus, no matter how far you have wandered from home, there is always a way back home Through him. We may deny Jesus three times, thirty times, three hundred times, three thousand times, but if we are united to Jesus by faith, if we repent of our sins and embrace Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, He will never deny us. The earthly judges, the high priest and the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders in this story, condemned Jesus, our Heavenly Father, the judge of all judges, will never condemn us on Judgment Day because of Him. On Judgment Day, when we stand before God, our great judge, the great high priest, and and the Lord our God says, to Jesus, is he one of your disciples too? Our Lord Jesus will say, yes, he is. Yes, she belongs to me. Though we deny him, he will never deny us. Though we, remain, though we are often faithless, he remains faithful. For we are united to Jesus by faith. And Jesus cannot deny himself. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh Lord, our God, we are deeply humbled by the story of Peter's denial. And yet, Lord, we are greatly encouraged. We are greatly encouraged that Peter's denial was not the end of the story. We are greatly encouraged that there is always a way back home through you, Lord Jesus, through your precious blood, which was shed on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, for affirming us and acknowledging us and saying, these my people belong to me. Strengthen us now by your spirit, that we might be men and women of prayer, always ready to give a defense for the hope that lies within us. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news of our salvation. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.